The following sermon is by Boyd Johnson, pastor of Treasuring Christ Church in Athens, Georgia. More information about Treasuring Christ Church can be found at tccathens.org. Last week I preached a sermon called Beware of Swearing from James 5.12. Even before I preached that sermon, it was apparent to me that Some here anticipated a different sermon than the one I had prepared. That's because the word swear in English is ambiguous. It can mean to take an oath, or it can mean to utter a profanity. And last week's sermon was about swearing oaths. We learned that although God doesn't forbid swearing all oaths, He does forbid swearing any oath that is vain and false. Instead, we as believers ought to have such integrity of speech that our word can be trusted at all times, whether we're under oath or not. And so essentially, the sermon last week was about being truthful in our speech. But there is another kind of swearing that God forbids. The kind of swearing that we call foul language profanity, obscenities, vulgarities, the spectrum of bad language that is common in our day, though condemned by God as sin. And it's this kind of swearing that I want to address in this sermon as we depart from our study of James for this week. I could have easily entitled this sermon the same as the last one, Beware of Swearing. But to distinguish them, I decided to call this one the foolishness of foul speech. Even before today, I've considered preaching on foul speech at various points in our study of James because he addresses the subject of our speech so often. How we speak is of serious concern to James. It's of serious concern to God. For example, in James chapter 3, he warned us that our tongues are powerful. He said, James chapter 3, verse 5, The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Our tongues are dangerous. Indeed, our tongues are capable of astonishing duplicity. James goes on in chapter 3, verse 9, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. It's because our tongues are powerful that we have a great responsibility to use our speech to glorify our God and for the good of people made in His image. We must be careful what we say and guard our mouths. We must learn to tame our tongue because our words can cause great harm to others and great harm to ourselves. Frankly, foul language is a topic that I'd rather not address. 
Not only is it difficult to address discreetly this subject with children in the room, but it's also difficult to address without foul words entering your mind. But I'm greatly concerned about the use of foul language among God's people. One reason for my concern is my perception that foul language has become both acceptable and prevalent among Christians. It's become acceptable in that it is a sin that we frequently tolerate. And some even defend. Profanity has become, to borrow a phrase from Jerry Bridges, a respectable sin. One that is often committed with a wink and a nod, but no contrition and repentance. It's also become prevalent among those who profess Christ. And it's not that more Christians are hitting their thumbs with hammers and saying a foul word. It's that more Christians are premeditating their profanity. The swearing is typed. The swearing is texted. The swearing is posted. The swearing is broadcast. Premeditation. As I thought about why this is so, why profanity is prevalent among God's people, I've noticed that profanity is often uttered when someone is angry an expression of anger. And from my vantage point, the rise in foul language among Christians has matched a rise in anger among Christians. From what I can see, many Christians are angrier than they have ever been at the culture they live in. They're angry at the moral decay in society and the abandonment of Christian virtues, and so they express their anger with the harshest words that they know. I'm sure there are other reasons for the prevalence of profanity in the church, such as a generation that has been taught that holiness is legalism, and that Jesus will accept you no matter what. But another reason that cannot be overlooked for the prevalence of profanity is that foul speech has been modeled in pulpits. In recent years, well-known pastors have not only used profanity in their teachings, but have defended themselves and even encouraged the use of profanity. Two decades ago, a celebrity pastor within the young, restless, and reform movement named Mark Driscoll developed such a reputation for vulgarities in his ministry that he was nicknamed the cussing pastor. More recently, two years ago, a pastor from Arizona named Jeff Durbin gave a message of confronting the woke church and he condemned the movement by using four-letter profanity from the pulpit. What's disturbing is that before he did so, he took five minutes of his message to defend his premeditated profanity, and afterward, his own ministry posted the video, and it remains on their social media to this day. 
More disturbing still is the fact that the video clearly shows children in the audience. Which calls to mind Jesus' warning, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Another pastor named Doug Wilson has regularly defended his foul mouth, disparaged certain women with four-letter words, and has even published a novel with suggestive scenes and lewd language. We could list other pastors who have done the same as these men, but I mention them in particular because I know that some in this church have been influenced by various teachings of theirs. And so it's right and it's necessary to call them out because as Tom and I have been entrusted to shepherd this church, it's our duty before God to warn the flock of error. It'd be one thing for a pastor to sin with his mouth and repent of it we wouldn't think less of him than the prophet Isaiah who cried out in repentance, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and who received the cleansing of the Lord by his confession and repentance. But to use profanity, to justify it, and to not repent of it is disqualifying. These men are not faithfully shepherding the flock of God. They are foolish men who have perverted the Word of God. Now, this sermon is not about them. It's about you. This is a sermon about why you must keep your tongue from foul language. I want us to look at a couple of passages in Ephesians as we learn five reasons why Foul speech is foolishness. Five reasons why foul speech is foolishness. The first reason foul speech is foolishness is that it is forbidden by God. Now we'll be turning to a couple of passages in Ephesians in our study, but to begin with, let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. Paul writes this, Let there be... No filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Paul says that our speech must not be filthy, foolish, or crude. These three terms have somewhat overlapping meanings, but they encompass a broad range of foul speech. Filthiness is a general term for any kind of dirty talk that is shameful. In fact, the same Greek root is translated as shameful in chapter 5, verse 12. It is shameful even to speak of the things that the unbelievers do in secret. And so filthy talk is disgraceful talk, shameful talk, dirty talk. Foolish talk is a word only used here in the New Testament and is a compound word derived from the word moros, which means senseless. We get the word moron from senselessness. And lego, which means to speak. And so it refers to senseless speech. The kind of talk that makes a mockery of morality. It's talk that is vulgar for the sake of being vulgar. 
crude joking refers to clever humor employed in obscene ways. In one sense, it's sort of the opposite of foolish talk. Foolish talk is just senselessness, but crude joking requires a bit of wit and cleverness to pull off the kind of obscene talk such as double entendres. It's sharp-witted crudeness designed to elicit laughter. Whatever form foul language takes, it's clear from this passage that it's forbidden by God. The prohibition is absolute. No exceptions are given. And so you can't defend foul language by saying that sometimes the situation calls for it. The situation never calls for it. There's never a time when foul words ought to be used. To speak like that is to speak like a sinner. Second, foul speech is foolishness because it is unbecoming of God's people. Now, if we study the context of Ephesians 5.4, it becomes apparent why foul speech is unbecoming of God's people. Look back at chapter 4, verse 17, where Paul exhorts the church in Ephesus with these words, Now this I say and testify in the Lord. That's a kind of swearing, but a swearing of an oath that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. In other words, as believers in Christ, you must not live like the Gentiles, that is the nation, who don't know God. Since you've been redeemed by Christ, the pattern of your life ought to be vastly different than those who are alienated from God, whose minds are darkened by sin and whose hearts are hard towards righteousness. Rather than walking in the ways of the ungodly, you ought to walk in the way of Christ. And so he writes in the same chapter, chapter 4, verse 22, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And instead, verse 24, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. As believers, we're new creations. We have a new self. And though positionally that's true, or there's also the practicality of putting on the behavior that we've been called to. We must cast off the old self, which are the, the attitudes and the thoughts and the emotions and habits that characterize your life of unbelief, and we must instead put on the new self, which are, the again, the attitudes, the thoughts, the emotions and habits that characterize the life of saving belief. One part of our lives where we must put off sinful ways and put on righteous ways is our speech. And so Paul says, jumping down to verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now we'll come back to this verse later, but notice we must cast off corrupting talk. 
and put on speech that builds up, that fits the occasion, that gives grace to those who hear. And so in both our conduct and our speech, we ought not to imitate those who don't know God, the Gentiles, the nation. But as chapter 5, verse 1 says, we ought to be imitators of God as His beloved children. Be imitators of God. In other words, the king's kids ought to act like the king. Now, how does the king behave? In what way should we imitate God? And there are several answers given in context, but to highlight one, again, look at chapter 4, verse 24. And observe that we ought to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's in part how we ought to imitate God. He is righteous and He is holy. Therefore, we ought to be righteous and be holy. That comes from the Old Testament. Be holy, for I am holy. Repeated in the New Testament in 1 Peter. And the principle is the same here. To say it another way, we ought to be pure in every aspect of our lives, in both our conduct and our speech. And so in chapter 5, verse 3, Paul condemns all impure conduct. There's but sexual immorality, and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And then in chapter 5, verse 4, Paul condemns all impure speech. Impure conduct, verse 3, impure speech, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So to summarize, why is foul language unbecoming of believers? It's unbecoming because we ought to be like our heavenly Father who is holy. We are, after all, not only His children, but notice what it says in verse 3. We are His saints. The word saints literally means Holy ones. That's why Paul says that impurity must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. In the Greek, that phrase, must not even be named, governs both verse 3 and verse 4. In other words, both impure conduct and impure speech ought not to be named among God's people. It's improper. And verse 4 says it's out of place. The practice of impurity ought to be completely foreign to those who are children of God. It ought to have no association with any Christian anywhere at any time. Third, foul speech is foolishness because it is not edifying speech. It's foolishness because it is not edifying speech. Once again, look at Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, as I said earlier, Paul tells us there is a way of speaking that must be cast off as a matter of practice, 
And there is a way of speaking that we must put on as a matter of practice. To begin with, we must cease corrupting talk. The word corrupting means rotten, putrid, or foul. It was used to describe rotten fruit or putrid meat that has gone bad and must be tossed in the garbage. Corrupting talk is talk that comes from the garbage heap. It's the kind of language that gathers flies. It's foul. And Paul says it must not come from our mouths. Instead, he says, we must speak words such as is good for building up. That is, words that edify. Edifying words. Edifying words are designed for the good of those who hear them, to build them up in holiness and righteousness, and not to corrupt them. Sometimes edifying words are words of comfort. Other times they are words of rebuke. Sometimes edifying words are words of instruction. Other times they are words of correction. But in any case, speech that edifies, that builds up, communicates truth, and is meant for the good of those who hear rather than for their corruption. And so the standard for our speech as Christians is so much greater than avoiding certain words. If you're only asking, now what are the words that Christians cannot say? What's the list of words that are naughty that we must avoid? You're asking a question only about the borders of what's permissible. And that's a minimum righteousness question. We ought to ask questions that would maximize righteousness in our lives. We've been called to a higher standard. The aim of our speech is not merely to avoid crossing the borders or even to avoid any other manner of speech which befouls the soul of another. Rather, we aim higher because the standard is greater. Our words ought to edify those who hear them as fits the occasion. That's the standard. Reach for that standard. Not just what can I get away with. In fact, in one sense, the right question isn't even what is our standard. The better question is who is our standard? We ought to speak like Christ spoke. When did Christ ever say a foul word? Never. Sin never came out of his mouth. How then did he speak? testimony of those who heard him according to Luke 4.22 is this. All spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. He spoke words meant for the good of those who heard him as fit the occasion. Sometimes those were words of comfort. Sometimes those were words of rebuke. Sometimes those were words of instruction. Sometimes those were words of correction. But all the time, his words were edifying words meant to grow people, point people to holiness and righteousness. We must strive to be like him. Fourth, Foul speech is foolishness because it grieves the Holy Spirit. 
Again, Ephesians 4.29, but this time let's also read the next verse. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now notice the command to not grieve the Holy Spirit comes directly after the command to not let corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That's no accident. The connection is intended. Foul language is precisely the kind of speech that grieves the Holy Spirit. Filthy talk grieves Him. You make Him sad when you swear. That's why it's outrageous that pastors of all people would attempt to justify their use of foul language with Scripture, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Some have defended their use of profanity by claiming that the prophets and biblical authors use foul words. For example, they'll often say that when Paul wrote in Philippians 3.8, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, that the word rubbish, which is scubalon in Greek, is actually a square word for excrement. That's not true. Scubalon is not the dynamic equivalent of any English swear word. And Paul certainly wasn't using it as a curse word in any case. He is, after all, the one who wrote Ephesians 4.29. And Ephesians 5.4, the Greek word skubalon could be translated in a variety of ways, and in certain contexts it certainly did refer to excrement, but more often it referred to that which is useless, undesirable, fit only for the garbage pile. And that's exactly Paul's point. All that he had once counted on to save him were only fit for the garbage heap, completely useless. That's what he's saying. He's not swearing. Some pastors even even said that we must say what the prophets say and do what the prophets did, which they allege includes using foul language to wake people out of their spiritual stupor. A lot of times the prophets did use shocking language but rightly understood, never vulgar language or obscenities. The Holy Spirit's own testimony about Scripture, about the words of God, is clear. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. How pure? Like silver, refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. These pastors have read their own moral filth into the Bible. The impurity of their own hearts becomes their hermeneutic. They claim they have freedom in Christ to talk like that, but it's not the Holy Spirit that leads them to speak that way. Rather, it's the spirit of the age which trades holiness for licentiousness. Filthy words come from a filthy mind. We know that because of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure 
produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Nothing reveals who we are like speech. Your words express your thoughts, your emotions, your will. Speech unveils the secrets of our hearts. Your lips will give away the true character of your heart because nothing reveals our hearts quite like the words that come out of our mouth. And foul words that come out of your heart grieve the Holy Spirit who resides in you. Why would you continue to use foul speech and grieve the one Christ sent as your comforter and helper and who himself is God who is in you? Fifth and finally, foul speech is foolishness because it will be judged by God. Look back to Ephesians 5, but this time both verses 4 and 5. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. No inheritance. Those who are habitually impure, that is, those who practice impurity in their conduct and speech, will have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. To say it another way, if you don't repent and you haven't trusted in Christ, swearing will keep you out of heaven. As I said earlier, your speech reveals your heart and the state of your soul. If your speech is characterized by impurity and profanity, it reveals an impure and profane heart that hasn't been redeemed. And unless you repent of your sin and trust Christ alone to save you, your words will come back to haunt you on the day of judgment. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. All of them. Everything is being transcribed. All words are being transcribed in heaven. And every careless word will be judged. For by your words, Jesus says, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Your words tell the story about the state of your soul. And unless you forsake foul speech, you will be condemned on the day of judgment by what you have said. Well, this isn't all that could be said about the topic of foul speech. But we've learned five lessons, five brief reasons why foul speech is foolishness from our study. Foul speech is forbidden by God, is unbecoming of God's people, is not edifying speech. Foul speech grieves the Holy Spirit, and it will be judged by God. Five compelling reasons to be like Isaiah, to cry out in repentance to God, 
and to seek cleansing. And so let's pray to the Lord now and ask Him for such cleansing. Father, it is true of every person who's able to speak in this assembly that we have all sinned with our lips. Perhaps not all have said foul words, but all have sinned with their lips. We're all guilty of speech sins. And Father, we're thankful that there is forgiveness. There is cleansing. As we come to you and confess our sins, even now, you restore us and give us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is forgiveness. And we seek it now. Not because we're going to resolve to do better, but because Christ has done better. He is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. He never said any profanity. All His words were edifying. And so we look to Christ as our example. We look to Him as the one who always did right in your sight. We seek to model His speech, His behavior, His manner of life. And Father, we ask that any here who are given to profanity, who practice foul language, whose words that come out of their heart demonstrate that their heart is not redeemed, we pray that Your Holy Spirit would give them new life. New life even now as they cry out to You in repentance, turn from their sin, and embrace Christ alone as their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Treasuring Christ Church in Athens, Georgia. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not alter the content in any way without permission. Treasuring Christ Church exists to spread a passion for the fame of Christ's name in Athens and around the world. We invite you to visit Treasuring Christ Church online at tccathens.org. There you'll find other resources available to you and information about our upcoming gatherings.